Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Beard. The word of the day today is beard. Today is Tuesday, November 17th. Beard is the nickname for a NBA player named James Harden. Ever heard of him? He's got the long beard. Unbelievable player. MVP finishes in the top three, plays for the Rockets. Has made a fortune, like $225 million in his career. But it's not enough. He wants more. He wants rings. The NBA is a strange, strange, strange league. I can't imagine with baseball if the players had as much control as I perceive the players in the NBA to have. I I just can't even imagine how I would deal with that because I don't want to give the players that much power because I think I know more about how to put a team together. It may not work all the time, but that's sort of my job. It would be like me saying to a player, hey, I'm now going to, as an executive, I'm now going to be your free throw coach. Or, hey, hey, Beard, James Harden, on the step back, I think you should step back six inches less than you're stepping back right now. It's not that I want players to stay in their lane. I just want them to not have this view that they are omniscient and that they control the narrative for their team. And that's what's going on in Houston. So let's recap the offseason so far. Houston lost its coach, Mike D'Antoni, replaced by Paul Silas's son, Steve Silas. They fired their GM, Daryl Morey, who claims he quit, who then became the GM of the Philadelphia 76ers, and they hired a new GM. New coach, new GM. They brought in Russell Westbrook last season, or two seasons ago, I can't remember when, Coca. And he was supposed to combine with James Harden to become this superstar duo that would lead to a ring. And in in the first year was Westbrook's first year signed to a max deal. You know what a max deal is in the NBA, right? A max deal means that within the parameters of your salary cap under the collective bargaining agreement, there are certain amounts that a player can get given his number of years in the league, number of years on a team. And if you pay him to the max, there's literally not an extra dollar you can give. So there's not much negotiation. I actually don't know why. It's funny. Why do NBA players have agents? Why would you give 5% if you're James Harden and you know you're getting a max deal? Or if you're Giannis, who we're going to talk about, and you know you're getting a max deal, why would you give 5% away to an agent? Especially when you're the one in charge anyway, in any case. So they bring in Harden and Westbrook. The team clearly is not as good as the Lakers. They're not good enough to get a ring. James Harden says, I'm not so happy here anymore. There are rumors as to why. Doesn't much matter. He announces yesterday. And he does it. They do it very carefully, right? You do it through leaks. You have certain members of the media on certain networks who get a scoop. They do a tweet. And before you know it, the world is crumbling in Houston. James Harden is trying to manufacture a trade 
to be reunited with his old teammate with the Oklahoma City Thunder, a guy named Kevin Durant. Remember Durant? Harden wants to team with Durant and Kyrie Irving and new coach Steve Nash to form what would be potentially the best big three in all of basketball. I guess I would say that LeBron and Davis, if Davis resigns with the Lakers, which he will after him declaring himself a free agent, my guess is they're the best big two, but Harden, Durant, and Irving, probably the best big three. So how does that work? Well, forget what he does publicly. Here's what's going on privately. Privately, Harden meets with Furtada, the owner. You go right to the owner for this. You don't mess around with the GM. You don't mess around with your new head coach. You don't do that if you're the beard. You go right to the owner and you have a meeting. And you say, listen, here's how it's going to be. I don't want to be here any longer. And the owner says, but wait a minute. I've got a surprise for you that you may not be aware of. And this would all be planned in advance by the owner of a team. You see, James Harden has a contract that pays him, if you can believe this. He's got $131 million left over the next three years. The third year is about $46 million, and that's what's known as a player option, which means if Harden can get more and leave the team as a free agent, he would, or he can decline the player option and renegotiate a new contract with your current team or just bail on your current team and leave. But he is with the Rockets for two more years under a max deal that he signed prior. So picture having $131 million left on your contract for three years. The owner for Tata says to him, I have an idea, James. We're trying to get better. We want a ring. I want a ring. We all want a ring. Who doesn't want a ring? I will make you the highest paid player in the history of team sports on an annual basis. And I'm going to do it twice. I'm going to offer you the max max, which is now $50 million per year. I'm going to offer you two additional years. So you're going to have 131 left by three and then a hundred by two. That's another $230 million over the next five years. How about that, James? The beard looks right at him and says, eh, no, not doing it. I will not sign that contract. But what I will do is go to the one team, the New Jersey Nets. If I'm for Tata, I say, thank you, James. I'll see you in training camp because I call them the New Jersey Nets again. And Furtada said, I can't trade you to the New Jersey Nets because that team doesn't freaking exist. Sorry, Coca. Old habits die hard. It's not even an old habit. Brooklyn Nets. I must have been saying Jersey, by the way, the entire time pre-show in my head because that's what I've been thinking since this thing came out. Why does an owner think that the owner has to appease the player and manufacture a trade to the New Jersey Nets? Now, to the Brooklyn Nets. God damn it. Now, switch it around. You're the Brooklyn Nets. You're going to do a trade for Harden now? What are you going to offer? The Rockets are going to call you and say, if we're, if we're going to trade you Harden, we're going to need your two best players other than Durant and Irving. We're going to need every first-round pick you have over the next five years. You can't trade consecutive picks. So we're going to need at least three first-round picks. Now, remember this for later in the show. 
at least three first round picks and we'll do two first round swaps. So I'm going to just need all sorts of picks, all sorts of players. The Brooklyn Nets are saying, I'm not giving you all that. Why do I have to? The reason I don't have to give you that is that your player said to you that the only place he would go is you. It reminds me of Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton to the Marlins said, I want to go to the Dodgers or the Yankees, and that's it. And Mike Hill, then the GM, President of Baseball Operations of the Marlins, said, well, we made a trade for St. Louis. Do you approve? Because he had a no-trade clause. And Stanton said no. All right, we just traded you to the San Francisco Giants. Any interest? Nope. So then they went to Stanton, and they said to him, here's how it's going to go. If you do not approve this trade, we are very simply going to have you and 24 minimum players who stink. So have fun for the next four years with the Marlins. Of course, then they worked out a trade with the Yankees and it all worked out for the better for both the Marlins and the Yankees. But the point is the team had the leverage. Furtada and the Rockets have the leverage. Harden can't go anywhere for two years. He's not a spring chicken. He's 31 years old. He can turn down his player option three years from now, but there is nothing in the world the Rockets can do that Harden can do if they don't want to trade Harden. So what about Westbrook? He demanded a trade too. Westbrook is the single most untradeable athlete in all professional sports. Russell Westbrook also has about $130 million left over three years, which includes a player option for about $46 million, which I promise you he's going to pick up because there's no way any team is going to give him that sort of extension, which two years in advance, because he's just simply not a winning player, not good enough to warrant that kind of contract. So how does it work? The Rockets are trying to get financial flexibility by trading Westbrook. They call every other team. They can't find a taker at all. So they're stuck with Westbrook. If they trade Harden, they've got Westbrook as the sole superstar on the team. They've got a bunch of picks and they're in full rebuild mode, but they could have, is it Covington Coca? He could still be on the team. No, they traded him. The Rockets have done what you never do when you are involved in high stakes poker. They started trading away players and started doing a rebuild while Harden is still on the team. The Nets know that they don't have, they meaning the Rockets, don't have any choice but to trade Harden. Unless, and this is what came to us, maybe the Rockets are the smartest team in basketball. Maybe the Rockets Rockets made the trade because they said to Harden, guess what? We're going to do a Stanton to you. You think that you're going to tell us where you're going to be traded? You think that you are going to stay in charge? No way. We're trading away everybody. Good luck, James. You're going to be rich, but you're going to be ringless. Does Furtada have the nuts to do that? It's a real way to see. And the way to see is what will the Brooklyn Nets have to give up to get Harden? I don't know. 
I'm frustrated this morning because this is the big story. It's the word of the day is beard. And the NBA, the draft is coming up tomorrow. Trades are starting to happen. Teams are doing things to appease stars like I've never seen. And it's just getting worse and worse. It started years and years ago when the Heat got got their big three together. But each year it's getting worse. And believe me, there will be an inflection point where the power to the players will get too big. Now, the inflection point's not happening in Milwaukee. Yesterday, the Bucks made a couple trades. They got Drew Holiday from the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm blanking right now. And uh, from the Pelicans, excuse me, plays with uh, Zion Williamson. And they got a very good shooting guard from Sacramento, who is B-squared, I call him, because I wouldn't want to embarrass myself or him by not being able to pronounce his name. So what happened in Milwaukee? Are people celebrating the fact that they traded Drew Bledsoe plus Eric Bled? (laughs) All right, I I lose. I lose the dollar. Pre-show preparation, Coca said you're going to call him Drew Bledsoe because I kept calling him Drew Bledsoe. Why Drew Bledsoe is in my head, I don't know. It's Eric Bledsoe. The Bucks traded Eric Bledsoe with George Hill. Remember George Hill? They traded three first-round picks. They swapped two first-round picks, all to get Holiday and B-squared. All of this in an effort, if you're the Bucks, to keep Giannis, which is, to me, the number one storyline in the NBA, not James Harden, whether or not Giannis will stay in Milwaukee and sign the five-year max deal before December 21st, or whether Giannis will say, I'm out of here. The Bucks are not trading Giannis. They said they're not going to trade Giannis. They're going to take the chance that he will not become an unrestricted free agent. They can offer him the most money. There's no doubt about it. And what they're trying to do is show him that we have the, the ability, we've got the smarts in the front office, and we're going to surround you with a way better team than you can get anywhere else, and you're going to start winning rings. This is what Coca would have you believe. I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. If you're the Milwaukee Bucks and you're running that team and you don't go to Giannis, now, I don't agree with this. This is giving power to the player. But if you don't go to Giannis and say, hey, Giannis, these are the moves that we're looking at. We are mortgaging our future because you are our future. We don't need picks. These are the players we can get. These are the players we can surround you with. We are pulling this trigger if you sign with us. But if you're not going to sign the max, we can't win with Holiday and B-squared without you. So if you're not going to commit to us, we are not going to commit to you. Let's be collaborative. Let's get this max deal agreed to. It's not a negotiation because we're offering you the most we're legally allowed to. So if we do Y, will you do X? If we trade for these players, will you sign your max deal? Coco would have you believe during prep that that's not how it works, that they are just making these deals. They're going to try to show Giannis that they're doing the best they can. They're going to hope the Bucks win a title next year over the Lakers in seven games or over the Rockets or over the Pelicans or over anybody else. And they're going to hope there's no way. You don't run a team based on hope. If you do, you suck at your job. You have to cover all your bases. And if you work in an industry where players have the power, then you've got to figure out a way to talk to your player, pretend you're not giving your player that power, 
when in fact you actually are. The Bucks have taken the biggest risk of the offseason in making those trades, in my opinion, because as Coca correctly pointed out, if Giannis leaves, the Bucks are screwed. And in a market like that, when you're screwed, you become irrelevant in two seconds flat. Your revenue goes into the toilet and you're simply D-O-N-E. If this is all part of their plan where Giannis now signs a five-year deal prior to 12-21 and the Bucks win a ring, then the Bucks knew what they were doing. I don't think the Bucks and the Rockets can both win a ring next year, can they? I don't think it works that way. I think only one team wins. Well, it's an exciting time in the NBA. I wish baseball had, you know, I was just thinking about this. This is not on the show, Coca, but I wish baseball's offseason was like this. I think that'd be really cool. And I actually had a meeting uh, when, uh, as part of a committee I was on in Major League Baseball, And I presented this also once I was out of the game, when I was talking to people in the league office, that one of the ways to make baseball exciting when they're always chasing their tails, they're trying to chase the NBA in terms of their draft. They're trying to chase the NFL in terms of their draft. They're trying to chase the NBA in terms of their deadline. We do a special deadline show uh, on on CBS Sports HQ during the summer. We do a a show when when free agents sign, but you don't know when it's going to happen. It can be as late as February when spring training starts. It can be soon after the season, but it really always delays it. There's no like acute excitement. What's going on in the NBA right now, the NFL trade deadline happened on election night last November 3rd. I don't even remember whether any trades were made. I don't remember whether anyone actually gave a crap. But in the NBA, they nail it. There is such a flurry of activity that those guys on Twitter who are doing the, uh, who have the leaks, like uh, Woj is one of the guy's names. They've got all these leaks. You've got Rip Hamilton on CBS Sports HQ who just sits in front of his, his computer because there's breaking news all the time. It happens right then, right at the beginning. I love that. So I asked baseball to do it. And the answer I got is that they didn't think the teams we're going to be ready to move that quickly because when you move that quickly, you end up overpaying. What a fascinating answer. When you are in a sport without a salary cap and you feel pressured to make a move, by definition, the pressure that you feel morphs into a bad contract. So MLB said, we don't want bad contracts. So we don't want any teams to feel pressure. So we're just going to let off seasons play out to which my response is, I agree, except that then takes away any sort of fan engagement, any sort of fan excitement. And the answer was agreed, but we got to protect owners from themselves. A solution would be a salary cap, but you know that Major League Baseball Players Association does not want a salary cap. I think it's going to happen. Anyway, NBA is off and running. We have a, uh, there's no way to segue to this topic. It's, it's, it's an awful topic coming up. It has to be addressed. There is a very well-known football team and uh, so well-known that it became a So You Want to Talk to Samson. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. We debated whether to do the So You Want to Talk to Samson intro to this topic because this is not a fun topic. It's not a funny topic. It's a necessary topic. It's a necessary subject. Someone got into Twitter at David P. Samson. That's how you get a So You Want to Talk to Samson. 
follow it, follow me on Twitter and uh, ask a question. DMs are public. And the question was, if you are the president of LSU, would you fire Ed Ogeron? It's a pretty simple question. Ed Ogeron is the head coach. Ed Ogeron, LSU. It was either last year or two years ago they won the national championship. I can't remember because all the years meld to each other. It seems like years ago. It was last year. He's the one who, when he does his press conference, he's hard to understand. He's awfully excitable and exciting. He's got great energy. His players love him. He is this coach that was meant for the Bayou, meant for LSU. Just nothing but positive surrounding him. So why would we consider firing at Ogeron? Well, it came to light yesterday that Ed Ogeron is the head coach of a program in turmoil. Ed Ogeron is the head coach of a team where instead of learning plays, they're learning how to commit sex crimes. Ed Ogeron is the coach of a team where instead of celebrating championships, they are basically violating Title IX every single day. They are denying due process. They are using the statute of limitations to their advantage in order to cover up any sort of facts. They are absolutely avoiding any sort of investigations. I am worked up. Why am I worked up? Ever heard of a player named Darius Geis? Yeah, the guy who got released by the Washington football skins. That's not their name. Um, A guy who got released by the Washington football team for a domestic violence arrest, a guy who in college got in significant trouble, and I don't mean a little bit of trouble, I mean significant trouble, charged as in accused of rape. I'm talking about Drake Davis, who abused an LSU women's tennis player, and LSU covered that up completely. I'm talking about seven other football players, all of whom were accused, only two of whom have ever been punished. At what price does college football success come? At what point, as a fan of college football, do you look at a team and say it's enough? I will not support a team who does not support the absence of sexual deviance and crime. Is it enough? At what point do alums of LSU say no more? We will not support this team. Boosters, we will not support. At what point does the NCAA say we will not allow LSU to be a member of our organization until they clean up their act? When does it happen? Do you know how many millions of dollars LSU generates? The football team? Do you have any idea the amount of money that's generated by LSU? Do you have any idea the amount of cover-ups that go on? Anything that could in any way endanger the spigot gets covered up like it didn't exist. And these women who are raped, these women who are assaulted and abused, they are left with nowhere to turn because when they report it, it's ignored. When they go to the college police, it's ignored. When they go to the athletic director, it's ignored. And the reason it's ignored is because you do not crap on the golden goose. It's disgusting. It's wrong. But don't worry. There are statements. 
It's fine. When there's statements, that means everything's good. Ogeron, Ogeron had a statement because he's in trouble. If I'm the president, I'm firing him right now because there is no amount of money. And this is me talking. I'm the money guy. There is no amount of money that excuses the behavior and the tolerance of this type of behavior. Period. Hard stop. We are committed to a culture of safety, equity, and accountability for all students and staff. Horse hockey. That's how their statement started. We provide education, training, and resources to combat violence, sexual misconduct, and inequality. That is a lawyer talking, and it's all bullshit. This is Ogeron's statement. When we become aware of accusations, we have an obligation to immediately report every allegation to the university's Title IX office so that appropriate due process can be implemented. Really, Ed? How come it's not happening? How come there is facts that are out there that show that that reporting wasn't happening? I know why you made that statement, because your lawyer and LSU's lawyers told you you have to make that statement. LSU's statement was even worse. We are unwavering in our commitment to respond promptly to any reports of misconduct, to investigate these reports in a manner that is fair and equitable. Bull. We are unwavering in our commitment to support victims of sexual assault and to protect the privacy of our students according to the law. Really? You're unwavering? I think it's a typo, Coca. Let me read the statement that they should have said. We are unwilling to respond promptly to any reports of misconduct. We are unwilling to investigate these reports in a manner that is fair and equitable. We are unwavering in standing behind our football program. We are unwavering in making sure that we are unfair to victims. We are unwavering in the fact that we are inequitable at all times to women who are victims of rape and sexual misconduct. LSU finished their ridiculous statement by saying, putting an end to sexual assault is an institutional priority, and we are constantly working to achieve that goal. Do you know how to put an end to sexual assault and to rape? When a player is accused of rape, see you later. Immediate suspension you're off the team. When you're convicted, not only are you in jail, but you're thrown out of school. When you've got seven players who are accused of sexual misconduct, you fire your head coach. That would be unwavering your commitment. You want to put an end to sexual assault, then you put an end to people who allow it. You think the head coach isn't aware of what's going on? I've been in clubhouses. This stuff gets talked about. You think that seven of your players are engaged in activities that are illegal and that it's, it's, I had no idea. Who knew? LSU should be ashamed of itself. If you went to LSU, you should be, you should be ashamed of your alma mater and you should help make the change. Don't just talk about making the change, help make the change happen. 
Stop supporting that school until they make a change. Forget their unwavering support. Forget their commitment to equality. Forget all of that. That's it, Coke, on that. Yesterday, uh, I didn't do a story and I should have done it. And I'm late with it. And I grant you, I was, I was uh, pretty focused on Kim Ang becoming the uh, first female general manager in any sport. And there was a lot of other things that were going on at the same time, actually. And uh, I just, Coca told me to do it and I just didn't get to it. But I'm getting to it today because especially after watching Kim Ang's press conference, the PR that the Marlins are getting for this hire she was on every on the morning talk shows. She was on all of the sports talk shows. She's been everywhere. She is definitely being used by the Marlins to get attention for the Marlins. They're going to use her to try to attract sales. They're going to try to get better as a baseball team. All that's happening. This is a new moment for women in sports. Footnote. Amy Palsic. P-A-L-C-I-C, was the VP of communications for the Houston Texans, the highest ranked PR officer in the NFL. We're talking about when she was brought on, it was a big deal. I don't remember whether we mentioned it on this show. I believe we did. Maybe we mentioned it on HQ. It was a big, big story. Well, what got buried in this past week is that the Houston Texans have fired Amy Palsik. And forgive me if I'm, imp- if I'm mispronouncing your last name. We're going to call her Amy. The Houston Texans chased Amy out of town. Why is that worth noting? Because she was known as one of the best in her field. She has J.J. Watts. J.J. Watt. I don't think there's an S at the end of his name, Coca. J.J. Watt releasing a statement talking about her people around the game saying she's one of the best. Do you know what the Houston Texans did when they fired her? When you fire someone, my announcement always would be if I knew that I was firing someone where I couldn't win a PR battle, my announcement would be, we decided to move in a different direction. We wish him, we wish her, we wish them great success in their future endeavors. That's the release. What the Texans did is they said, this is beyond comprehension. She is no longer a culture fit in the organization. What the hell does that mean? There's a guy named Jack Easterby who's claiming who's every time you talk about this, talk about the Texans, you read his name. He's the executive VP of football operations. It's unclear whether Amy reported to Jack. That is, would be surprising to me. In the media guide, it says that Easterby manages all football operations and is responsible and directs the overall culture of the organization. He was, quote unquote, a character coach for the Patriots. I don't even know what to say about that. 
This is a very big deal now where you have to have someone in charge of culture because you have to make sure that you are not violating any social mores or any norms and that you are doing what is right. Can you imagine having to bring in someone? It's like a compliance officer. Compliance officers make sure you don't break a law. On Wall Street, you have a compliance department. You have compliance people, officers who say, you can do this, you can't do this, you can do this, you can't do this. It's like, it's like your accountant. They know the IRS code. They tell you what you can do and what you can't do. The overall culture, a cultural organizational guy, hey, we're going to be inclusive because I said so. <laughs> hey, we're going to change the culture in this organization. And here's how. We're going to have bowling night. We're going to make sure that we don't tell penis jokes in the lunchroom. We're going to make sure that when women are around, that we are respectful. We're going to bring in people of color. We're going to be diverse and we're going to be inclusive and we're going to make everyone belong. Go team. The overall culture of the organization. You want to change the culture, have better people, have tolerant people, have non-racist people. When you fire a woman and you say that she's no longer a culture fit, what in the hell are you talking about? If she did something, I want to know it. If she didn't do something, you're a moron for saying that she, that she wasn't a culture fit. I'm not going to say that she violated something. I'm not going to say that she's, that she's the problem. I'm not going to say it's her fault. Because if she had done something that was her fault, then I'm going to make sure that it is leaked to the media so that there is no question and no light shown upon me that I fired the greatest woman, the highest ranked woman in PR in the NFL. If she didn't do something and I still fired her, and I'm in charge of the culture of the organization, then I got a problem. But under all scenarios, you don't leave it the way the Houston Texans left it. Is there a bigger or is there a bigger sort of dysfunctional organization out there? I'm, I, is it the Texans who fired their GM and coach already? Was O'Brien the guy, Coca, who got fired? How are they doing? I think they've got this highly paid quarterback. I want to say his name is Deshaun Watson, but I'm, I think I got the wrong guy. And they've got Watt, great defensive player. He's not as good as he used to be. Their team stinks. They're firing people left and right. But don't worry. We've got Jack Easterby, and he's in charge of the overall culture of the organization. <sighs> Speaking of culture, when we, when we come back, we're going to review a movie by one of the most prolific writers, directors, and criminals of our time. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. 
And Ramp Software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. I told you we were going to review a movie because we do every day. I watch a movie every day. TV show. Woody Allen. What a situation. Woody Allen married the adopted daughter of his longtime companion, Mia Farrow. He's been married to Sunni Previn, who is the adopted daughter of Mia Farrow and Andre Previn, who lived in the house as, in theory, Woody Allen's stepdaughter for many, many years. He then married her. They've been together for 30 years. He's a fixture in Nick Games. He's a fixture on the Upper East Side. I've seen him many, many times. It's not a flex because everyone who lives in New York has seen Woody Allen. He has been relentlessly attacked for abusing his children, for engaging in pedophilia, for having inappropriate relations with his children. And he has been, for all intents and purposes, canceled. He's also someone who has been writing and directing movies. I think in the last 48 years, he's missed maybe five years That's how many movies he puts out. In 2017, he had a movie ready to go called A Rainy Day in New York, starring Timothy Chalamet, starring Rebecca Hall's in that movie, Jude Law's in that movie. They didn't release it. There was so much tension and pressure around the Me Too movement. There was so much going on that Woody Allen was basically cast aside. Being a fan of Woody Allen taking money to be in his films all of a sudden became something you can't do. Whether you're a starving actor or not doesn't matter. You cannot be in a Woody Allen movie because of who Woody Allen is. One of his, uh, one of Mia Farrow's other children, Ronan Farrow has written extensively on this about what Woody Allen's done. Woody Allen has denied all accusations Woody Allen wrote a memoir. He couldn't get it published. We're talking about a nebbishy, neurotic, hilarious, brilliant man who obviously is a criminal and sick and has not gotten any of the help that he needed. And people vote with their pocketbook. They vote with their moral compass. But they also vote with their time. Remember yesterday we talked about time, how you don't have a lot of it. I watched this movie because I needed to talk about Woody Allen. The movie itself, Timothy Chalamet basically plays Woody Allen. Woody Allen used to act in his own movies and play the neurotic sort of eccentric character, but he's too old to do it now. So different actors have done it in his later movies. This time it's Timothy Chalamet. Elle Fanning plays the Diane Keaton type role. Diane Keaton was in Annie Hall and was one of his muses Back in the day, Elle Fanning of the great acting family, the Fanning family. By the way, all these people donated their salaries once they found out that Woody Allen was going to be canceled. And 
she plays this sort of ditzy character. And then Selena Gomez is in the movie, the singer. I didn't even know she was a singer. I thought she was an actress uh, because she was actually good in this movie. And I'd heard the name before. I want to say that I heard her because that was Justin Bieber's girlfriend. I don't know if I'm close on that. Was that is that right? Did, did Justin Bieber date Selena Gomez? I should know this. Yes. Thank you, Coca. Coca knows everything. I got a quick shout out to Coca, who finds a way to literally know everything about every subject. Thank you very much for that. So overall, a rainy day in New York is a five out of 10. But it goes down to a minus infinity out of 10 because of the reality of who Woody Allen is, has always been, and has never admitted to. And this isn't like other moral crimes. This isn't about cheating. This isn't about adultery. This isn't about uh, business chicanery. This isn't about any sort of actions that you do to get ahead, whether it's financially or spiritually or physically. When you're involving kids and abuse or rape, that's it. That's the end of the conversation. So Rainy Day New York never got released in 2017. It finally came out on Netflix three years later. Netflix having the thought that maybe people forgot, maybe some people will watch it. I did watch it. And I will save you the trouble. It's only 92 minutes. Uh, the actors, it's a well-known cast, but it's just simply not worth it to give Netflix the satisfaction that Woody Allen's movies are worth watching anymore. His skill is deteriorated, but frankly, that's not the point. It is a rainy day in New York right now for Woody Allen. And unfortunately, there are no, no, there is no end in sight to that rain. Okay. Uh, I want to end this show with an explanation of a baseball story that came out that I got a few questions about. And uh, first of all, for all, for those of you who bet on the Vikings last night, remember I told you about the Bears bandwagon? The Bears bandwagon is finished. So they're done. The Vikings covered. We're back to up a field goal, 33 and 30. Thank you. That makes me very happy. But now I want to talk about uh, what happened in baseball. This is something that, that was announced yesterday and didn't get as much attention as it should have. Do you remember we've talked so much about Mike Clevenger? Mike Clevenger was that great pitcher for the Cleveland Indians who went out on a Saturday night with his teammate Zach Plesek during COVID, got in trouble, got sent down to the minors, and then got traded to the San Diego Padres. Gets to the Padres. The Padres are celebrating the fact that they've got a number one starter now. He's going to lead them with Machado and Tatis, and they're going to get all the way through the playoffs, all the way through October. They're going to live happily ever after. It's all going to work out. And then he got hurt. And they called it elbow impingement. And on nothing personal, we said to you, whenever you hear elbow impingement or flexor strain, that's just teams hoping that nothing personal won't call them on it and remind you that what that really means is TJ, as in Tommy John. So Mike Clevenger goes to the Padres, has the elbow impingement. He misses a bunch of time. They bring him back for a game in the playoffs in the in the in the wild card round or the second round, maybe can't remember which round it could have been the, the divisional round and Clevenger 
no velocity. He's pulled in the second inning. He makes it one inning plus. And that's it. Clevenger goes to the offseason. We don't hear much about it. Announcement comes out yesterday that Mike Clevenger has signed a two-year, $11.5 million deal with the San Diego Padres. What? And then it comes out that Mike Clevenger will be undergoing Tommy John surgery today. Tuesday, November 17th, 2020. Huh? Well, let me do some splining. When you've got a player who's arbitration eligible, the way it works is this. Mike Clevenger made $4.1 million last year. Forget the proration in the 60 games. His 162-game salary was $4.1 million. If that player sucks, if that player has Tommy John, if that player has rotator cuff, whatever happens to that player, the most you can cut the player's salary the following season is 20%. 20% below $4.1 million, that's $850,000, call it. So he would be getting a salary in 2021, just call it approximately $3.2 million, approximately. But the Padres knew that he was going to miss the whole season with Tommy John. Why would you pay him $3.2 million when you know that he's going to miss it? And then the season after, he's still eligible for Tommy John. You can still only cut him 20%, but the odds are he's going to be back, but not nearly or equally as effective as he would have been had he not had Tommy John. On top of which, this is Clevenger's second Tommy John, having had one as a minor leaguer in the California Angels system. So what in the hell were the Padres thinking? Well, if you don't pay that player and give him a 20% pay cut, you have to do something called non-tendering. We're going to get to that later on this month or next month when the non-tender deadline happens in baseball, when all sorts of arbitration-eligible players will get released by their teams because the teams don't want to pay them 20% less than what they made or they don't want to pay them the raise that they're going to get in arbitration. So the Padres signed him to a two-year deal. It's called a two-year rehab deal. Did it with Josh Johnson. What this means is that the Padres will pay him a pittance this coming year. Instead of the 4.1, instead of the 20% signing, they gave him a $3 million signing bonus, except they deferred the payment of the $3 million. Then he will get a salary of $2 million in 2021, which is below the 20% cut. Then they're going to give him $6.5 million in 2022, and they're doing that. He would have made way much more if he hadn't gotten injured. And if he ends up healthy coming back, he could get way more than $6.5 million, given the, pat, given the fact that someone as crappy as Drew Smiley was just signed to $11 million by the Atlanta Braves on a one-year deal. So this is a deal that benefits the Padres. It's a deal that benefits Clevenger because Clevenger says to his agent, Sam and Seth Levinson, I can't even wipe my tuchus. I don't even know if I'll ever pitch again. If you can get me 11 and a half million more guaranteed dollars, I'm going to take that. And if I can't pitch again, I can't pitch again. This was a rare example. It happens where the player looks at the team. The agent looks at the player. The agent looks at the team. The team looks at the agent. The team looks at the player. And they all agree, it's just business. 
It's nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com